Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 106. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about rethinking how school leaders help teachers grow. With my special guest, Kenny Ward. Kenny is the principal of Bridge Creek Middle School in Blanchard, Oklahoma, a reward middle school where his team practices professional learning communities every day. He's also the past president of the Oklahoma Middle Level Educators Association, and he has served on the executive board for COSA, Oklahoma State Association for School Leaders. Kenny is active in connecting with school leaders across the state and the country in professional learning. He's also an adjunct professor at Southern Nazarene University, and as a part of his doctoral dissertation in university work, Kenny visits schools across the state and researches best practices for school leaders. Kenny, welcome to Principal Matters. So glad you're here. Feel free to fill in the gap on that introduction with any other information that listeners might be surprised to know about you. Appreciate you having me. As anybody that knows me, I love talking about education. And so any opportunity to talk about like-minded people is great. Very generous introduction. And so I don't, I don't think I would add anything to that. But again, just thank you for having me. Well, Kenny, I am so excited to have this conversation with you. And I just want to jump right in because one of the conversations that I've had with you as we've talked as friends and as professionals has been about improving teacher practices. And in fact, you taught me some things that I've not thought about before. And and one of the conversations that you and I have had before is about the difference between andragogy and pedagogy. And I know as a veteran school leader, that the first time you and I had that conversation, you made me think and you and you kind of made me rethink the way that I have worked with teachers in their own personal growth. So can you share about that for just a moment in, in this first part of our conversation? What is the difference between andragogy and pedagogy and, and why should that matter to school leaders? Okay. So we know pedagogy is, and we talk a tremendous amount about it, and it's about the practice of educating kids. And Andragogy is the practice of educating adults, and so it's it's extremely different in a lot of ways. It's the same in some ways, but it, but it's extremely different, and it just makes you think. So I'm hang with me, but I'm going to kind of go into a little bit of detail, maybe get into the weeds. But I think it helps everybody understand. The term was coined by Alexander Kapp, a German educator, in the early 1800s, and was brought to the U.S. by Malcolm Knowles much later. And Knowles categorized it into, into five areas that I think are key, and it's the need to know, you know, and, and adults need to, why, why do I care? The foundation, the self-concept, readiness, orientation, and motivation, and those five areas are so key when we think about it. But I want to kind of go back just a little bit, and I was a special education teacher, and one of the things that used to puzzle me and, and many times almost frustrate me was when I would approach a regular education teacher and they would say, yes, but I have never been trained to do that, or I need some professional development to do that. And don't get me wrong, I understand. I'm a kid with autism. You need to understand that when you give them the teacher look, they're probably not going to have a clue that you're even communicating with them. So there is some very specific things, but it would frustrate me because I would think, you know, wait a minute, this is just a kid. And you've been taught to teach, and he it's not like we need some special cream to rub on this kid. You're a great teacher. You're an amazing teacher. But I think that comes because we have programmed our teachers 
to wait on that professional development. You know, we're going to dump this wealth of knowledge on you and this great training. And now you're a well-qualified teacher to teach special education students. And I'm, I'm sitting back thinking that's really not what needs to happen, but I hadn't really thought much about it until I became a leader. And so we take teachers and we're going to do Google Classroom. And so as the great principal I am, I'm going to bring in this expert the three days before school starts, and we're going to dump this hours of information on these teachers, some of which don't even use technology. And then on the first day of school, I need you to use this technology. And by the way, I'm going to check up on you. And if you're not using that technology, we're going to have a conversation. And that just is not a good way to think about it. And I even thought a little bit more. My good friend Adam Bochamp turned me on to a book called The Talent Code. And it's really about brain science and and really kind of kind of helped me understand even some of the connections. You know, and we love to say that a kid is is, you know, a a magical musician was just wired that way. And really that's not necessarily true. When you study brain science, and there's there's a substance called myelin, not to get too deep, but myelin, when things are firing in your brain, they're all connected, but the myelin is the insulator, and that myelin begins to build up on those nerve connections, but every time you practice something, the myelin gets thicker and thicker. So imagine a computer that had no insulation on the wires things would go haywire because nothing would ever get where it was really intended to be. And that's that's exactly what happens. But the more that we practice it and the more foundational skills we have, the more that myelin builds up and the more direct those connections are, almost to the point that sometimes we have what we call muscle memory, where it just begins to happen on its own. And so understanding that when you take teachers, if they don't have that foundational knowledge to take Google Classroom and run with it, you're just dumping a whole bunch of information on them, and then they're not prepared to go. They haven't had time to practice. They're just not prepared on that first day of school, and then they get frustrated and, in most cases, just leave it behind, and it never takes off. And then we wasted our money, and the principal's frustrated because my grand idea of this Google Classroom never happens. And so it's it's a bit of a different approach, and I'll I'll use myself as an example. Not that I'm some wonderful principal, but just as a as a practical example, um, when I got to Bridge Creek, I could see real quick that this is and and they were already a reward school when I got there. I wish I could take credit for it, but no, they were already there. But they really didn't understand how they got there, and they were also not necessarily doing a wonderful job or as good of a job in meeting the bottom twenty five percent of those kids. I was fortunate I got hired in March. And so I had time to kind of meet them and understand before I ever took over, but they needed a systematic way and a collaborative way to go about what they were doing so that when those veteran teachers retired, Bridge Creek Middle School didn't tank because everything they were doing just goes out the door with them. And so I I already kind of knew that PLC was a process that probably would fit our needs, but I didn't come in and just say, all right, folks, here we go. We're going to provide this professional development. We're going to be a PLC school and here we go. I came in and started kind of laying those foundational things and talking about formative assessment and asking the question when I would go in classrooms, how do you know if those kids learned it? That was a wonderful presentation, but how do you know if those kids learned it? And, and just spending an entire year talking about it. But even further than that, in that second year, now we know we're headed that direction. Now I've told them, here's, here's a solution. 
I didn't provide them with a whole bunch of professional development. Now, I provided them with a vision. I provided them with, you know, where are we trying to get with this? And I gave them the framework, but not a not just this, you know, crazy dump load truck of, of stuff. And they ready, set, go. And I'll be honest, we had some frustrated people and we had some people that, that threw that out there. If you would just provide more professional development for this, we could do this better. But they struggled for a semester. And at the end of the semester, we brought in somebody from Solution Tree and actually started begin to give him that professional development. And, and I'll never forget the guy's face, but one of the teachers, he looks up at me on that day and he kind of winks at me and says, I see what you did right there. He goes, because we struggled for a semester, now when this lady comes in here, we can actually make the connections because they see the need for it. They have the foundational knowledge for it. And then when she starts dumping that information on them, it makes a whole lot more sense to them as opposed to doing it all in the beginning. And so they're really, again, there's, you know, it's not just book theory. It really is science in the way that our brains work. I love all of that, Kenny. And let me just pull back for just a second, because what I'm enjoying doing is dissecting your story based on your practice, but also your framework for andragogy, you know, teaching teachers. And just to make sure that I'm on the same page and our listeners are on the same page with you too, those five areas that you covered were number one, need to know, number two, foundation, number three, self-concept, number four, orientation, and number five, motivation. And what I love about that story is that when you stepped into that building as a new leader, you identified where your teachers needed to grow, but instead of immediately giving them professional development, you allowed them to explore a vision with you, to struggle in the directions that they were trying to go. And then when they had some ideas of where we may be heading together in improving student learning, then you brought in the opportunity for them to be trained so that they could own that information. Is that is that a good summary? Yes, absolutely. And I and again, I, it just goes back to the andragogy. Adults are very problem-oriented learners. They had to connect the dots to why, why, you know, teachers are right and that we're very faddish in education and we got this shiny new program and principals get excited about it, superintendents get excited and we're going to do this, but there's really no why there. Why, why are we doing this? How is this connecting to a problem that we need to solve within our building? And so I do think that that was one critical piece and, and is in anything is they really understood the why. Why are we doing this? And, and I think that gave us the foundation to begin to start trying to find that solution. But yes, I would, I would totally agree with you. I also know that you are a huge fan of creating the kind of school culture where teachers want to be a teacher in your building. So I don't want to give the impression to listeners that all you guys do is sit around and, and tweak you know, learning styles or digital. So talk for just a little bit about your commitment to school culture and what people would see if they walked into your building. Because I think it's important for people to see that not only are you guys committed to really strong learning, but you're also really committed to strong environment. Yes. And as I go through this, people that know me personally will will probably kind of laugh at this because to be honest with you, this part of the game doesn't necessarily come naturally to me. But Let's be honest, this job is hard. There are very few jobs that are as hard as being a teacher. And in this day and time, as we know, 
it's hard to stay positive about public education. And, and with all the disrespect, I mean, it just is hard to be positive in this atmosphere. But that's exactly what we need and exactly what our kids depend on in order to have that optimal learning environment. And so I do a tremendous amount of purposeful things in our school to make it that fun place. Because again, just think about it this way. It begins to kind of feed on itself because teachers are human. And if they're having fun and want to be where they're at, their work quality on anything they're doing instantly improves. And we know that when a teacher steps in front of a group of kids, if they're passionate and they're having fun, those kids are automatically going to connect and engage with what we're talking about. And then those kids go home and they talk to their parents. My gosh, you wouldn't believe the fun we had today in science class. And then when the parent talks to the board member, I can't believe the amount of fun my kid's having. And it just it and, and then it just begins this cyclone of, of improvement. And so we do different things. One, we did a book study my first year in Bridge Creek on the fish book, and it's about the fish market in Seattle. And, and it really is just all about purposely having fun and have a positive attitude at school. And so it's not, you know, I'll, I'll tell the story. My first year there was in uh, February. We go to the uh, Oklahoma Middle Level Educators Association Conference. And so I'm there with a group of teachers and again, mind you, I'm in my first year there. And uh, one of my friends walks up and says, hey, did you see this on your Facebook page? And I look and it's my librarian with her feet up on my desk reading a book when technically she should have been in the library. And then a few minutes later, I get a, another Facebook post and it's two teachers standing underneath the clock, look, pointing up at the clock again, pointing out to me, they should have been in class, but they're playing. And I, so I'm just getting these constant pictures. And while I'm, I'm loving it because that's exactly the kind of atmosphere that I'm trying to implore, I'm also getting a little bit nervous. What's my new superintendent going to think when all these Facebook posts are getting posted? And then lunchtime rolls around and I get a video posted and it's a video. They have the students in the school lining both sides of the hallway the teachers had two tricycles, two teachers, and they have a race down the hallway. Kids cheering and going crazy and just having a blast. And again, half of me is just so excited I can't see straight that, that you know, halfway through the first year they're doing this and feel comfortable enough with me to, to show me that they're doing this. Uh, the other half is, oh, my goodness. And so I get back to school and, and I see my superintendent and I'm very nervous the first time he walks in my office and he actually shut the door, which made it even worse. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And I said, I guess you saw the Facebook post. He says, yes, sir, I did. And I said, am I in trouble? And he just kind of sits there for a minute because he was messing with me. And he said, no, he goes, it excites me because if they're willing to do that and you're halfway through your first year. I know things are headed in the right direction. And to be honest with you, that also makes a huge difference. So I've got to give props to my superintendent, David Morrow, for being willing to allow that to happen. But that just, that is in a nutshell. It's not unusual to walk down the hall and you might see two teachers having a pillow fight in passing period. Or, or we recently had pool noodles and would have sword fights with kids. And so it's, you know, while we're extremely serious about improving every little thing that we do every day, and we talk about that a lot, it's the, it's every little thing. It's not the test scores. It's every little thing every day. We also understand and enjoy the atmosphere that allows that to happen and, and not just a whole bunch of dry, 
science talk about how we learn, but but again, creating that foundation of fun, which I think is what it's all about. I don't want to end this conversation without an opportunity to explore a little more about Kenny Ward, the person. What keeps Kenny Ward motivated? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna geek out just a little bit on the science again for just a second. When he talked about the myelin and, and the brain connections and, and that kind of stuff, it, in that book, he really explains it's not, Bach is not, he wasn't this born musician who just did it. He was this kid who was born to a dad who, who relentlessly instructed him. He had a relentless appreciation of music and he practiced, practiced, practiced. And, and the myelin grew and the myelin grew, and those connections were just automatic. And so where, where I think that's important to kind of understand what I'm going to tell you on my story, but important as we go and we see kids that are from situations that are not ideal, and they might not be very good at math, it has no impact, in my opinion, on what they could become. And so what motivates me? I was the second-born child to an unwed mom. She, she was a teenage mom to my older brother. Had me three years later to another father, and then, uh, you know, we were off and running. I was at a babysitter when I was four years old when I got sexually abused. Lived in an extremely abusive home uh, with a stepdad that that my mom married when I was one. Uh, remained married to him until I was 16, and, you know, just couldn't have been more of an unstructured, chaotic, crazy house and mom tells stories of having, you know, I ended, she ended up having two more kids. So I've got three brothers of having one chicken to feed four boys. And that's all she had for the week. And so I bounced around several different schools and and just, I hated school and school didn't like me. Went to high school, graduated high school as a result of credit recovery. And I'll never forget uh, junior math. I'm, I'm in there with a group of other kids that were probably grouped together with me. We could destroy classroom. And I was this day and our, our math teacher walks up and slams his hand on the desk. And he just asked me, what are you going to do when you graduate? Of course, at that point, it wasn't even sure that I was going to graduate, but I said I was going to college, not because I knew I was going to college. I hadn't even thought about going to college. That was just the right answer. And he started laughing at me and he said, you're can't go to college. You can't even pass junior math and you don't even come close to having the ability to go to college. And everybody laughed. And I just, I will never forget the anger, hurt, and just overwhelming feeling at that moment. And I've never forgotten that. I did go to college and I just nearly proved them right. I did get suspended for grades but I met my wife, it was a girlfriend at the time in the second week of my freshman year. She had everything. She had the family. She had the mother and dad. She was valedictorian. She was everything in her school. And so I really credit my success to her because she was what gave me that, that foundation to, to do what I knew I needed to do. But that's, that's what propelled me to continue on was that chip on my shoulder and, and that's when I began to create the myelin connections and the, the insulators in my brain and started growing. You know, every day when I go to school, I see myself in a lot of those kids and understand that, yes, there is potential there. And sure, there's a lot of them that don't have those insulators in their brain because it's chaos at home and they're trying to survive. They don't have time to create the connections with the math 
because they're trying to survive. And I just see hope. And I know from my own story that it is possible. So that really is is the biggest why for me is if I can do it, so can they. If I can just reach them and help them and I can just create that atmosphere in a school where they feel loved, welcome, and can come and connect, and then we can begin to build that myelin in their connections and that insulator to make it happen in their brains, and we can make a difference for those kids as well. Kenny, that is such a powerful story. And Principal Matters listeners, I just want to challenge you right now to think about the students in your school, every boy, every girl that you're serving today. And as you look across their faces, uh, there may be some in that school, in your school today, who are facing chaotic, unpredictable situations. There may be some that are from stable homes, but you never know which of those students that you're working with today who could be inspired, who could be encouraged, who could be motivated to become an educator, a leader, an active member of your community. There could be another Kenny Ward walking through your school right now, and you don't even know it. And so all these years later, Kenny, I'm so excited because you are, last year you were named the middle level principal of the year for the state of Oklahoma. Uh, You have represented our state as a leader. You have represented your state as a past president of the middle level association. But not only do you represent us professionally, but you, you love students, you love teachers, and, uh, and you know what it means to be a kid who has struggled and now to be a leader who's created a school where kids feel welcomed and encouraged and are challenged to learn. I want to wrap up this conversation by asking, what are ways that others can stay connected with you? And what's a parting word of advice that you would like to give Principal Matters listeners this week as they walk into their schools? I'm active on Twitter at Kenneth D. Ward and also on Facebook, Kenny Ward. I'm almost finished with my dissertation, so I've tried to stay focused to that, but also in the works of building a website and that kind of stuff. But Facebook and Twitter is where I'm the most active. You know, one thing that I have said several times, and I think it's important, you know, why, and, and even ask kids this, why are you here? Why are you doing what you're doing? And and I have a little saying, and it is, uh, you know, if your why doesn't make you cry, you haven't found your why yet. And so keep looking. And I, that that is one of probably the most important things that for us as educators is to remember and to, you know, nurture why are you here and why are we doing what we're doing? If your why doesn't make you cry, you have probably not found your why yet. What a great way to end this conversation. Kenny Ward, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk, to share, to grow together. Principal Matters listeners, I know that you're going to be encouraged by this conversation. And I just want to remind you this week as you step into your schools that what you do matters. And we'll talk to you soon.